If you have a Bible today, though, let's open up to Ephesians chapter 5. As we're going through a series on marriage, uh, it's kind of entitled Marriage 101 for a reason. It's kind of the basics of marriage. And so, you know, a lot of times we think it's complicated or sophisticated, but it's not. You know, they're just foundational core scriptures in the Bible that we just need to know well. And so last week we went over the foundational truth of marriage, and that is that what God has joined together, let not man separate. And so there has to be that heart within us, you know, knowing that when I got married, it doesn't matter whether it was in Vegas or, or in the court over there or, you know, in some pastor's office or in a church. Um, at the end of the day, when you get married, God joins you together. And the Bible says that what he's joined together, let not man separate. You know, we did talk about the fact that sometimes there are exceptions to that where adultery is committed or where a spouse abandons another spouse. But even in those cases, there's still the same heart of God that if somehow they could work it out, if somehow there would be true and genuine repentance that God can even take those things and he can make a marriage better than it's ever been. And so, um, you know, I would encourage you to know that, know what the Bible says. And, and, and just uh, know this, that I need to just say this to you, that beyond the uh, adultery and abandonment, there's also sometimes issues of abuse, physical abuse. And so if you're here and you're, you're a wife and your husband is, is laying his hands on you, I want you to know that you should never, ever let that happen. You know, that that's not the way a man should treat a woman. We're going to talk about that today. And if that ever happens, you have the freedom to, to separate Sometimes even in cases of, of addiction, you know, pornography or, or drugs that are that is so intense. And so all those things, they require really prayer and, and, and the counsel of, of uh, leaders, pastors, friends that really care for you and are in Christ. And so I need to mention that to you, but that, that foundational truth is so important. What God has joined together, let not man separate. As a matter of fact, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall cleave unto one another, and they become one flesh. And so, you know, instead of separating, then what you need to do is you need to come together. And we're going to see in our study today that a husband and a wife, they should be best friends. They should be close. In one sense, it's like the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. So you leave and you cleave. And so that's the foundational truth. Uh, and, and then today what we're going to look at after the foundation is we're going to look at the functions in marriage. And so, you know, when the two come in on the marriage ceremony, you know, that guy comes in, the, the gal comes in. It's such a beautiful ceremony. always is. It's always glorious. But they come in, and when they're there, we go through everything. Uh, on that day, they receive a new title. You know, from that point forward, uh, that man now bears the title of a husband, and that, that gal, that wife, she now bears the title of a wife. And, and what I tell people is that titles are there not, you know, to receive some type of accolade or, or whatever. I'm not a pastor, you know, and I, I'm not into the title. You don't have to call me Pastor Manny. You just call me Manny because, you know, that's not the way it is. We're not into titles, but we do realize that titles mean a task. And so as a pastor, I have a calling, a responsibility, and I take it seriously. And as a husband and a wife, with those titles come a task. And these are things that we have to live out. We have to find out what the Bible says about being a husband. What does that mean, being a husband? 
What does that really mean, being a wife? One day when we stand before God and we give an account as far as this, you know, to me, I, like Mark was saying, there's nothing more important than family. You know, first my relationship with God, then my wife, then my kids. I mean, those are the priorities because those are the responsibilities in life. And so when the enemy comes in and he separates families, he's, he's attacking the very fiber of of society, the fabric of society. And that's why it's so important to know, you know, what the Bible teaches and, and that, that you know you've got to cleave so you don't drift apart. You don't, you don't become roommates. You know, last week I was telling the single people, you, you, can't live, you can't just live together. That's sin. But I want to tell the married couples the same thing. You can't just live together. You know what I mean? I mean... Yeah, we're, we're, still hook, we're still shacked up. We were married and we're living together, you know. No, I mean, no, it's much more than just uh, living together. It's much more than just surviving, you know. It's about thriving. It's about love. It's about life. It's about honoring God. It's about, you know, being an example, you know, to your kids and they're watching you. I didn't have, a lot of us here, we didn't have examples. We, you know, the way that our, our fathers treated our mom. Maybe it wasn't right, or some of you didn't even have a father, mother. And so, man, what do you do, you know? And that's why it's so wonderful that we have the Bible to, to help us and the Holy Spirit to give us grace to be able to be men that we would have never been, you know, or women. God will give you strength. God will give you grace. God will give you power, you know? And um, even though it, it's, so, it's so difficult, it is hard, you know, it's easy to, to give a title. It's hard to live a title. Uh, and, then, you know, we have all those funny things we say about marriage, you know, intended to convey basically a message that at the end of the day, it's not easy. You know, some couples, have you guys noticed that they're so compatible, man? It's like they just get along and it's just super easy. Others, have you noticed it's, they're so compatible? Have you guys noticed <laughs> that? It's like, man, boom, they're button heads all the time, Right. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard these things. Uh, all you need to know is marriage is a walk in the park when dad told his son. Jurassic Park, that's what he said. <laughs> you know, first the engagement ring, then the wedding ring, then the suffering, you know. <laughs> the, and so, and I'm saying that, you guys, please, I'm not trying to make light of it, but what I'm trying to say is that, like, like Mark was saying, it is hard. It is hard. You know, um, the, they say the secret of a happy marriage remains a secret, right? Have you guys heard that? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It's not, it's not a secret. And at the end of the day, really, and I do just have to stop thinking like the world thinks. You know, it's not about being happy. At the end of the day, you know, my prayer is that you would be happy. And I know God wants you to be happy. And I know God wants you to smile. And I, I know God wants you to have joy and I know God wants you to have peace, but it's not about happiness, it's about holiness. It really is. God wants to raise up a church, God wants to raise up families that know how much He loves them and that they love Him back. And that they realize they're set apart, they're different, there's a calling not to be happy, but, but to be holy. And if there's any sin in our life, we have to weed it out because it'll ruin things. You know, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we thank God for the, the Father. And we kind of know what that means. He's our Father. He will always take care of you. He will always provide for you. 
He loves you. He knows every tear you cry, every hair you have. You, we have our Father, and we have the Son, you know, that's Jesus. And that describes their eternal relationship that they've always had. And He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. You know, that the Son, even the Bible says He's our brother, and we, we can relate to Jesus, who's the mediator between God and man. And so we have the Father, we have the Son, but then we have the Holy Spirit, Right? One God in three persons, equal in essence and nature, but not in function and office. And so you wonder, well, what is the Holy Spirit? What's his, why did they call him the Holy Spirit? The Father's a spirit. The Father's a Holy Spirit. Why didn't they call him that? And the reason is because the, the, the purpose, the task of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. And that he's the one who woos us and wins us to Christ, first of all, to get saved. If you're here and you don't know the Lord and you're not a Christian, you, maybe you've been religious, maybe you know, you're here and you just know I'm not right with God, I understand God loves you, he wants to make you right with him today. And, and so he died on a cross, the Lord Jesus Christ rose again the third day, and today all you have to do is believe in him, receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life and and you will be free and forgiven, and you'll be a Christian, and you'll be assured that if you die, you'll go to heaven. He did all the work. All you got to do is come to him. And so the Holy Spirit, he, he makes us holy, first of all, by saving us, but then secondly, by sanctifying us, by changing us. You know, whether, we're not holding on to sin. You know, please don't be confused. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You know, if we're here and we're holding on to sin, let it go because it'll ruin your life. That's not what God wants. And so marriage, understand, even life as a Christian, I pray you're happy, I pray you smile, but at the end of the day, it's not about happiness, it's about holiness. And to have a good marriage is not a secret. Thank God it's all revealed in his word because God's the one who designed marriage. He made husbands and wives, put them together. He knows how it functions at its best. And so today we're going to look at a study regarding the functions of husbands and wives. And I like to do it a little different than I normally do. Normally when I teach on this, I just you know, do a whole long thing and kind of get to the husbands. And then you know, by the time they're all bummed out, then you, know, <laughs> you do a long thing and you get to the wives. And so today what I want to do, I want to kind of do it even, you know. I want to do it together, right? And so um, even in my presentation, we'll go husband, wife, husband, wife, and hopefully you guys survive uh, this. <laughs> and so husbands, and we're going to see, uh, we begin by saying, number one, husbands are to be lovers and, and wives are to be helpers, okay? And so here in Ephesians 5, notice what we read in verse 25. It says, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And so we see this commandment, first of all, for husbands to love their wife. It's interesting. We see it three times in this section. If you go down to verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And so, you know, the, the command for husbands is so clear. It's so simple uh, to love your wife. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wife just like you love yourself, and you know you do, right? <laughs> 
You know, and, and so you wonder, well, what is love? And what does that mean? And how do I measure it? And how do I know whether or not, you know, I love her? I mean, come on, Manny, if you tell me, ask me if I love her, yeah, of course I do. Okay, well, let me ask her. What would she say if she were honest, if she were really honest? You know, does he put you before himself? Is he interested in your spiritual welfare? You know, is this a man who's free? You know, and again, none of us are perfect, but, you know, we have an inclination as men towards selfishness. You know, when you wake up in the morning, who do you think about yourself? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? What's the day? What we got going on in the day, you know? And it's just all about, you know, yourself. And, and what you end up doing, what you end up realizing as a Christian, as a man, is that, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm wondering, what's, how's she doing? What does she have going on today? What will she have for breakfast today? You know, how can I help her? How can I bless her? What's going on in her heart? Why is she crying? Why is she hurting? Why is she struggling? And a lot of times the guys will just kind of leave their wife because they got their own, their own lives and, and that they don't understand what love is. You know, the Bible was written in Greek, right? In the, in the New Testament, Koine Greek. And so the reason it was written in the Greek language is because there's, there's, you're able to really articulate. You're able to be, get real specific. You know, we have the word love, and it's a very uh, vague, it's an ambiguous concept. You know, to love, we say things like, I love pizza, right? You know, I love, I love my dog. How many of you here, you love your dog? You know, or whatever, man. You know, I, I love, you know, um, my wife. And, and you kind of put those all in the same thing. And, and no, wait a minute, there should be a distinction here, you know? So what does it mean? And what's he saying right here? And so, you know, in the Greek language, there's different words for love, right? There's that word eros, where we get our word erotic from. You know, it's a romantic love. It's a sexual love. And it has its place in marriage. You know, and a lot of guys, were they were listening to the study, and they're like, okay, I'm supposed to be a lover. Ooh, I like that, you know. <laughs> but, but understand, that's not the word he uses right here. Another word for love is the word storge, and we get... Uh, the, the family love, and it has its place in marriage, of course, you know. Hopefully, husbands do have a, a, an eros, a romantic love, and hopefully they do have a family love. And then, of course, there's the phileo love, which it speaks of the brotherly love. It really speaks of a, of a friendship, you know. And I, and I want to encourage you to let your spouse be your best friend. You know, th- those all have their place, but what God is calling us to is something higher. The Greek word is the word agape love. And what it is is an unconditional love. It's unconditionally, sacrificially seeking someone else's highest good, expecting nothing in return. You know, it's a, it's a divine love. It's a love that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a feeling. And that's the love that God's called us to, and, and that's the instructions for husbands. Husbands, love your wife, not a sloppy agape, a real agape. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, and he died for her. That's what he's calling us to do as husbands. You know, agape love is not a human love. It's, it's divine. It's something that God begins to work in your heart. I love what love is called in Colossians 3.14. It says, above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You know, that's what 
Agape love is, uh, the love that keeps on giving of oneself, time, body, energy, mind, heart. You give your life for your wife. And that's our mission. That's our, our mission. That's what being a husband is all about. You got a title, praise God, you know, whatever. Now you can do your taxes together. Now you got someone who makes, you know, some good food or whatever. Now you got someone to raise your kids or whatever, take care of the home. I, I mean, cool, but understand that your, our calling as husbands is to, is to love. And the way that he describes it right here is interesting. Uh, he, he says a few things about this love. Number one, it's a sacrificing love. Notice again in verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, they're, they're, a lot of guys, they're not willing to, to, to make sacrifices, not willing to love until it hurts, you know. It, it's, it's conditional. Well, if she's nice, then I'll, I'll love her. No, it's a sacrificial love. It's a love that dies to self. You know, and so that's where it starts in, in the marriage relationship. Let me ask you guys a question. Who nailed Jesus to the cross? His bride. His bride did, right? And a lot of husbands are like, I don't like that. You mean to, you mean to tell me that God's going to use her to nail me to the cross? Yeah. Yeah. And you fight it. And you fight, I will not die, woman. Can you imagine Jesus, you know, and they're trying to crucify him and him fighting it? And they're giving him a cross and saying he's running the other way. That's what we're doing when we don't lay down our life for our bride. That's, that's, the, that's where it starts. This series is Marriage 101. Husbands, what, what's your calling? Oh, I'm going to, you know, give her a house, man. Put a roof over her head. Put food on the table. Put clothes on the kid's back. Oh, that's cool. That's part of it. But that's not the main, that's not the priority. That's not the first and foremost command of all. First one is to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The first one is to love her just like you love yourself. And then for us, it's so important. You know, I, 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 it's not easy, man. You've got to pray, and you've got to pray for yourself, huh? Guys, you know, I, John Chrysostom, he was a, a fourth-century pastor, and he wrote about this. And it's kind of a, a long quote, but I, I just want to read it to you because this is something... That I, that I pray for myself. You know, I have it in my prayer journal and I try to read it as often as I can. This is what he put. He put, Thou hast seen the measure of obedience, now hear also the measure of love. If it be necessary to give thy life for her or to be cut in 10,000 pieces or to endure any other suffering, whatever, do not refuse it. And if you suffer thus, not even so do you do what Christ has done for you. Indeed, do so being already united to her, but he did so for one that treated him with aversion and hatred. As therefore he, he brought to his feet one that so treated him and that even wantonly spurned him by much tenderness of regard, not by threats, insult, or terror, so also do you act towards your wife? And though you see her disdainful and wantonly wayward, you'll be able to bring her to you 
by much thoughtfulness for her, by love, by kindness. For no bound is more sovereign and binding than such bonds, especially in the case of husband and wife. For one may constrain a servant by fear, though not even he is so to be bound to you, for he may readily run away. But the companion of your life, the mother of your children, the basis of such joy, you ought to bind to you, not by fear or threats, but by love. And it's hard. That's why I have it in my prayer journal, and I have to read it over and over and over again. You know, the world has a mentality that we fall in love. No, we don't fall in love. We grow in love. We don't fall in and out of love. It's not by feelings. It's by faith. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's when an individual understands what God has done for them and what God has called of them, says, this is the one I want you to love. Don't go live your own life. Take care of my daughter. You know, when we make our vows, we often make them for better or worse. More marriages would survive if they realized that usually the better comes after the worse. You go through that, and you love her through that, and you watch what happens. In one wife, she wrote a note to her husband and said, Love me when I least deserve it, because that's when I really need it. Have you ever heard that saying, marriage is a relationship? Because, you know, husbands, to love your wife, man, that's it, man. And so there's this saying, marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right and the other is the husband. <laughs> Have you guys heard that? <laughs> i tell you what, man, that simplifies things. <laughs> and so you love her with a love that, that's like the love of God, and it, it just has no limits, and it just never ends. And you thoroughly convince her. You make it your mission in life to bring her to a point where she has no hesitation whatsoever. My husband loves me. My husband puts me before himself. Husbands, that's your mission. Commitment no matter what. That's why I like what Agent Rogers said. He said his wife Joyce, you know, they were married for so many years. And he said uh, to Joyce, his wife, he said, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's commitment, huh? <laughs> You know, in, in the love that God's called husbands to, it's a, it's a sacrificing love, no greater sacrifice, but it's also a sanctifying love. Notice in Ephesians 5, in verse 26, it says that, that he might sanctify her. He loved her as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You know, when, you, when you're willing to sacrifice, then God will start sanctifying them, and God is going to start working in their hearts. 
you know, and there's this, uh, there's this sanctifying love that nourishes them and cherishes them. And the truth is, other than God, the husband is her wife's most powerful influence, whether good or bad. You know, you look at your wife now and you, man, you're like, wow, she's worse than when we first got married. And she's all messed up. And, you know, that's because you, you probably did that to her. You know, you're the greatest influence upon her. Do you realize the power of your love? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. You know, and God will take his word and, you know, you're living the word and you're sharing the word and you guys are going to church together and you guys are reading your Bible together. And, and then just washing her, cleansing her. Next thing you know, you're, you know, you're able to present her to yourself, a glorious bride, not having spot or wrinkle, but any such thing, she's holy and without blemish. I mean, this is a beautiful woman because of the love that you had. You know, and, and what it is, man, is, is God just using you to change her, to grow her, to bless her. You know, to nourish her, it means to bring her to maturity. It means to feed her. It's meeting her needs, you know, in every way, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually. To cherish her is to keep her warm in a world that's so cold. What ends up happening is when you have a sacrificial love, then you have a sanctifying love. And I pray you would know the power of love to change someone. And then what ends up happening is you have a satisfying love because who do you present her to? You present her to yourself. And that's the way it works. The Bible says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, when you first get married, it's, you know, there's the attraction, there's a physical attraction, there's the infatuation, there's a puppy love. And I don't know, there's something about that. I guess maybe it's okay you know, but you got to understand going into the relationship and going into the marriage in the early years that, it, that those feelings aren't always going to be there and you're going to see each other's flaws and things are going to show up and life has a way of hitting you with so many different directions. And so when those things happen, you know, what you need is, is the power of the Holy Spirit. And what ends up happening is as you love her, then she's able to mature and grow and your love deepens. And then next thing you know, one day you find yourself, you look at your wife and you say, wow, God has brought us to this place that is just absolutely beautiful. You know, we all love love stories, but we should love our own love story the most. There's, there's, this, there's your life, your wife, your husband, your family. Let it be a love story. And it's not too late, no matter how, you've been, how long you've been married, you know, you're like, well, I can't change now. God can do anything to anyone at any time who's open. And so, husbands, your, your lovers, should we talk about the wives? Just skip the wives. No, I'm just <laughs> Wives, your helpers. And so we'll go over to Genesis real quick, but then we're going to come back to Ephesians. And so Genesis chapter 2. And all the guys are like, yeah. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Remember we ran over this last week and the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. 
And so how many of you wives here acknowledge the fact that your husband needs help? <laughs> you know, I know we desperately do, right? As a helper, the wife is beautifully under her husband and family office and in many ways holding him up, holding up his hands, you know? Uh, the word helper is the Hebrew word ezer. It means assistance. It carries the idea of, of, of even rescuing you know, it's so interesting the way that they, they work together, the way that we're going to see later the husband is the savior uh, of the body, the savior of the family in one sense, not in a redemptive sense, but in another sense. And now we see the, the wife, she rescues. And how ultimate, how awesome it is when both of them begin to function, you know, in, in every level. You know, husbands really should receive the most help and support from their wives of all people. You know, back in Ephesians, what we find is it's a, it's a submissive help and it's a, it's a respective help. It says in verse 22 of Ephesians 5, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And so in one sense, this is you, wife, saying to your husband, you know, sweetheart, I believe in you. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm here for you. How can I help you? You know, it's that, it's that wife that, that is supportive and submissive, and, and she respects him. And maybe you're like, well, no, he doesn't deserve respect. Well, you know, be really careful with that. But at the end of the day, even if it's not because of devotion it's out of duty because you respect him in the office that he holds as your husband understand that respect can change him but sometimes wives won't give that to their husband and sometimes wives they won't let their husbands lead because they're afraid you know he's going to crash <laughs> you know what sweetheart let him crash sometimes you got to do that and I remember reading a story, you know, about Evie Hill and, you know, this guy, uh, a young couple, you know, trying to make decisions and, and how to make it financially because it's so difficult, you know. And, and so what he says is, I'm going to buy a gas station. I'm going to buy invest into it. And, and she's all, no, you know, you shouldn't do that. And he's all, I, I'm too bad, so sad. And he goes and, you know, he buys the gas station and... Uh, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really do well financially. And so what ends up happening is one day he comes home and he opens up the door and he sees that she made candlelight dinner. And he's like, ooh, yeah, this is, this is good. And so he goes and they have dinner, beautiful dinner together. Beautiful. But then he gets up, turn the lights. They don't work. No electricity. And he said, what happened? She said, well, we didn't have any money. Pay the bill. And, and what she did, rather than humiliate him, rather than come down on him and say, I can't believe you did this to us, she respected him. She was submissive to him. And what that did, the early days of their marriage, is it molded him into a man. And a lot of you guys know that 
what ended up happening was Evie Hill went on to become an amazing pastor. He couldn't have done it without her. He couldn't have done it without her saying, okay, I'm going to let you lead. You know, some women, they look at the whole concept of submission and they're like, you know what, I don't like that. You know, and it is difficult, to be honest with you, because women, most women are more amazing than guys. I, I got to tell you, you know, they're, they're just so gifted. It has nothing to do with, you know, superiority whatsoever. Just like within the Godhead, you have the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. They're equal in essence and nature. They're equal, but not in function and office. The Father sends a son who sends a spirit. There's an order even within the divine Godhead, and there's an order in the family. And so God said, okay, you know, I want, I want the husband to lead. And so it's got nothing to do with superiority. It has something to do with teamwork. And when you do it God's way, it's amazing. Some people will look at Christianity and they say, yeah, Christianity it teaches submission. That's why I'm not a Christian. I mean, let me tell you something, man. When this was written in those days, the, the Greeks, the Romans, the Jews, the world, they did not have a view of women the way that Jesus did. And, you know, the, the, the Romans, I mean, they thought nothing of marriage. It, you know, multiple marriages, it wasn't important to them. You know, and the Greeks, same thing. The Greeks' concept was I got my wife to take care of the family and I've got my girl over here to, to take care of the fun stuff. And the Jews, the same thing. We went over there the, the last week. Their, their mentality of marriage was, you know, it, I'll just take, if you, don't, if you burn the food or if I find somebody prettier or younger than you or, you know, if uh, you talk too loud, then all he had to do was go down to the city gate, look at his wife and say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and it was done. I mean, the world did not have a concept whatsoever about the value of women. But Jesus said, this is, this is how important you are. You know, husbands, you can't divorce her the way that this world is doing these things. And, and as a matter of fact, you're called to die for her. Love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And, and so in one sense, and I told you last week that marriage is death, death to self. For the husband is death by crucifixion. For the wife, it's death in one sense, by submission. But when they begin to do their part, and each one understands their role, one can't function without the other. And imagine if you have a husband who loves you, and understand this, husbands, that when God makes you a leader, we're going to talk about that, he, you don't make decisions. You don't, you don't make decisions for yourself. You don't. Yeah, you're the decision maker in one sense now, but you don't. You make decisions, number one, what does God say? Number two, what is best for my wife? What is best for my family? And so just think, when a husband comes to that understanding, imagine how easy it would be for a wife to be submissive. You know, and sometimes every once in a while, Shelly will disagree with me. And when she does, you know, usually what I do is I back up and I say, okay, wait a minute, maybe I need to take this to the Lord because my wife was given to me for a reason. And she sees things, you know, differently. You know, husband and wife, you don't always think the same. But you need to think together. And so sometimes when we're, when we're disagreeing, I'll back up and, and I'll ask the Lord, Lord, what should I do? There's that intuition 
And so the wife, you know, she's called to that place of submission. She allows him to lead, right? And she uh, respects him. She arranges herself under him. Remember in the Bible how God led the family through Joseph, even though Mary was such a godly woman? And I will say this, however, that if your husband ever tells you to sin, you don't have to. You don't have to. If it goes against God's word, Acts chapter 5, they said we'd rather obey God than you. So, you know, that's clear-cut sin. So I'm not telling you you've got to do everything he says, and hopefully you have a husband who makes decisions and leads your family as he's following God. But this is how it works, and it's so powerful when a wife understands her role. You know, and I've told you guys this before, but to me, it, it just, it's, we need to hear it like all the time, you know, Rocky II. I, I don't know the whole movie, but I remember part of the movie, Rocky II, which you remember Rocky had to fight uh, Apollo Creed, or he wanted to, but his wife said, I don't want you to, I don't want you to. She's resisting him the whole time, and, you know, and, and so um, he's just not into it. He, he's just doing it half-heartedly. You know, until finally when it ends up happening, she falls into a coma. So he's praying. She wakes up out of the coma. And you guys remember the story. Uh, he, uh, he told her, uh, hey, Adrian, if you don't want me to mix with Apollo, you know, we'll get by some other way. And remember what she said? She said, come here, I want to tell you something. Yeah, what do you want me to do? So he said, win. Dong, you know, and the bell goes <laughs> on. Win. And that support, that, that heart, hey, I'm with you. I'm for you. I believe in you. He goes and he trains and he fights and he wins. It's bloody, but he wins. And then he holds up the belt. Remember what he said? Yo, Adrian, <laughs> I did it. That's how it works. I'm telling you, man. Encourage your husbands. Be submissive. Respect them. Watch what happens when we do things God's way. You know, when we look at this, number one, husbands are, are to be lovers. Number two, husbands are to be leaders. And notice again what we read in verse 23 of Ephesians 5. It says, for the husband is head of the wife. And so he's the, he's the leader. He's the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And, and he is the savior of the body. And so a very common complaint from wives, uh, some even say the most common complaint is that husbands are not leading them. And so, you know, where are you leading them to? Well, I'm leading them to a good life. I'm leading them to, you know, where we've got a lot of money. It's all about, you know, the materialism, the things we can buy, and we've got to make sure we put a nest egg, and we've got the white picket fence, and, you know, the kids got to take care of and college fund, and that, that's what it's all about. So I'm leading her there. And, and, and you miss the point. I mean, all those things are good, but understand, husband, husband, listen, please, husband, you're called to lead her to Jesus to lead her to heaven. That's our calling. Understand that, you know, a, a good leader, he knows the way, goes the way, shows the way. And, and you're like, well, how do you do it, Manny? How do you become a good leader? Because I'm not, whatever. Some of you guys, you got the type A personality, but you got to make sure you're not a shoving leader. You know, you're a loving leader. 
How do you do it? You, well, you do it the way Jesus did, and not only that, you just follow Jesus. Follow him. Wake up in the morning. You know, I remember it was Lenya Heitzig. She said, you know, I, I trust my husband's leadership because every day I see him wake up in the morning and seek God. And I know he follows God. And that's how you lead because you know where Jesus is leading. 1 Corinthians 11.3, it says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And that's speaking about a wife and, and a husband, right? The word head is in reference to a title, while rule is in reference to the task. This is what we do. We rule. And so as a husband, you're like, yeah, I like that. I rule. No, <laughs> you don't rule, you know, with a rod of iron because literally... What the word means is to stand before, to sit over as a protector, a guardian, a caregiver. It's a servant leader. You know, Alistair Begg, he said, in far too many cases, the wife has assumed the initiating role, not because she wants a position, but because she's afraid that the car is about to cream off the road since her husband has vacated the seat and fallen asleep at the wheel. And there are a lot of wives, unfortunately, that, that lead and prayerfully husbands would start leading the way God wants them to. We're, we're the Savior in one sense. You know, I was telling a guy earlier, you know, whose, whose family is falling apart, I just told him, you know, fight for your family. Nehemiah 4.14, you know, we're the Savior. And so husbands are, are lovers and, and leaders, and then secondly, wives are helpers and homemakers and for that, I was wondering if you would turn to Titus chapter 2 as we, as we begin to close uh, today and, and what wives are. Um, in Titus chapter 2, notice in, in verse 3, it says, The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And so, uh, as a homemaker, the, the Greek word is interesting. It means caring for the house. It means working at home. It's, it's the watcher, keeper of the house. We call him a domestic engineer. Right? Proverbs 14.1, it says, The wise woman builds her house but the foolish pulls it down with their hands. And so the wise woman builds her house. She goes down to Home Depot, man, and she takes care of business. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that type. You guys know what I'm talking about? A home, a sanctuary, an atmosphere. You know, and, and, and I'll, I'll say this, that right now in the days that we live in, you know, it's hard, but man... You guys do, try, try to where your wife can stay home and, and be with the kids and raise them up and, and build this home, you know? Um, because no one's going to love those kids the way that you do. You know, but if you can't, the, the Lord knows, and that's something between you and Him, you can still be a homemaker. You know, I mean, you set the tone. I mean, you can decorate it, and you can put up these scriptures, and you can... You know, I don't know. Just the way that it works is, is different in every family. But I do know, uh, I think it was Shakespeare who said, 
if mama ain't happy, no one's happy, had something like that. <laughs> ain't nobody happy when mama's not happy, right? But, but when she is, you know, there's just something about this home. And she builds her home. And then she's amazing the way that she is with her husband and with the kids. And, and this, this whole thing about being a helper and being a homemaker. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Ladies, you read Proverbs 31, and you'll see a homemaker there. Proverbs 31, 10, it says, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. I mean, you got ladies nowadays that, I mean, they're not even there. You know, the Bible says, Proverbs 19, 14, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent, prudent wife is from the Lord. And so, uh, you know, just encourage you, ladies, you know, take care of your home. You know, when, when, when you're not happy, you can set the tone, make it bad, but when you begin to seek the Lord and you fill that home with love and, and praise music and wisdom and, and work, and you understand, you know what, there is something to this. Yeah, maybe I didn't build the walls, you know, with drywall and studs or whatever. And I didn't, you know, like my husband, you know, there he is laying down the floor or whatever, painting and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. But there's another type of building that's going on here that is my calling as a wife. So that when my husband comes home, Martin Luther said, you know, bring it to a point where your husband, he wants to come home he finds a sanctuary there. Listen, every love story is beautiful. But my prayer is, is that for husbands and wives here, you'd be able to say, but my love story, in my marriage, in my life, is my favorite. So may God work in us, in our families, in our marriages, because when mom and dad stay together, and then the kids see that, and they're tight, and they're right, and then they grow up, and it's just like one by one, God begins to do a new work. Like I told you, you know, the second most important relationship in life is between husband and wife. You know, and some of you here, maybe you've gone through it, and maybe right now, you know, you, it's, it's been tough, or, or maybe you're on the other side of things, and it didn't work out. I, I encourage you, you know, this is what God wants, not looking back. This is what God wants for us in the future. Understanding this, that none of this could be done without the most important relationship of all, and that is your relationship with God. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, it's, a, it, it's also a love story. It doesn't matter who you are what you've done, how bad the sin is, how distant you may feel. The Lord is here to establish a relationship with you. And the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again. And if you want that freedom, if you want that forgiveness, if you want that relationship, it's not a religion, then today I want to encourage you to make that decision to follow Christ. You know, when husbands and wives get together, um, uh, you know, like, have you guys ever seen the videos where the husband gets down on his knees 
and he, and he proposes to his bride. Have you guys ever seen that? How many of you guys got it down on your knees when you proposed to your bride? Not too many. Pray for them. <laughs> Some of you did. That, and that's pretty cool. But you want to know what's even better? Is that when Jesus proposes to you, when he says, will you marry me? He's nailed to a cross. He's bearing all your sins. All of them. Past, present, future. And he's looking right at you. And he's saying, will you marry me? Will you enter into a relationship with me? All you have to do is say, I turn from my sins, and today I trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior.